Hey, great to have you here this morning. My name is Pastor Brad, senior pastor here at First Baptist. And, um, you know, Nikki was talking a little bit about um, traditions and things that we do at, at Christmas time. And um, I, I just want to ask you a question just as the kids are kind of making their way back up and such. Um, how many of you uh, usually watch a holiday movie during the Christmas season, some point after Thanksgiving till Christmas Day, okay? Yeah, all right. Yeah, that, that's just one of the traditions that I know many of us have. I know we have that over at the stall house. In fact, some of you would probably remember what this is, right? You know what this is? Shall, what, 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 what is this from? Tell me. <clears throat> Charlie Brown Christmas. How many of you have seen Charlie Brown Christmas before? All right. All right, yeah, it happens to be one of my favorite uh, Christmas time movies. Um, I know that some of you have some other uh, favorite videos that you watch. In fact, let me ask you, how many of you prefer watching, would you say maybe one of your favorite, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas? How about that one? Okay, I, I see a lot of that. Okay, how about Frosty the Snowman? Is that, is that, okay? How many of you prefer, uh, let's say, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Okay, well, you are all wrong, so let me just say that, first off. Um, and I'm going to show you a clip of uh, why this should be your favorite video at um, holiday Christmas time. And, and you probably think I'm going to show the clip, as many of you know, with Linus, and he does the Luke chapter 2 recitation and such. But there is another great, great scene. After all the discussions of the commercialism and the busyness of Christmas, after Linus recites Luke chapter 2, Charlie Brown leaves that little amphitheater and he does this. Take a look. Shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Great scene where Charlie Brown just kind of goes out and he internalizes what Christmas is really about. Looking up into the night sky, imagining what the angels proclaimed as the shepherds looked up as well. Um, just a wonderful scene. Uh, so let me share kind of what that verse was about. Let me share about the Christmas story here. Because many of us have gone through all the festivities. We've gone through all the shopping. We've getting ready for the family. Some of you have already visited your family. Others are doing that tonight or tomorrow and such. But it would be a crime if we did not take time to see what the true Christmas story is about, straight from God's Word, straight from God's heart. Because I realize in the business of the season, some of us may have even forgotten to read that Christmas story. And so we're going to do that today from the book of Matthew, as well as from Luke, as well as from Paul. I'm going to throw in a verse about his Christmas story, and then from John as well. 
And so, you know, I know that many of us as well have gone by the nativity scene. Many of you have seen this for the weeks we've had it here in Christmas. You have gone by dozens and dozens and dozens of, of nativity scenes in storefronts and in homes. But today we're going to visit the one that has the real baby Jesus in it. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1, and let me jump in reading the Christmas story from Matthew first. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, because uh, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, which obviously in that culture was a major no-no. She could have been ostracized from her family. She could have been kicked out of her entire village having a child that Joseph knew was not his child. But it goes on in verse 19 and says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, in the biblical days, this betrothed or pledged to be married, as other versions will say, was really not just an engagement. It was much more than an engagement. So much so that it was like legally married, which is why Joseph said, I'll just kind of divorce her quietly and not make a big deal about it. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name, what's the name? Jesus. Now, the way you pronounce that, the way I pronounce that, would have been different from what Joseph heard on that night. He would have heard more of a word that the Hebrews had for the word Joshua, which caused the Jewish people to think, even as Joseph would have heard it, even as he shared that with others, which would have caused the Jewish people to think that Joshua or someone coming as Joshua would, an Old Testament warrior would come to battle for his country, that he would come to save his people like Joshua fought in the Old Testament. And so Joseph was probably thinking this one who was promised to him, this Jesus, as we would say, was going to come to save him from the government, was going to come and save him from the oppression of the people under the Roman rulers. And not, as it says in verse 21 at the end, not as it says, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, you might be here today and you might feel a little discouraged with the state of affairs in our government or maybe across the world, United States and across the nation. Maybe those events have maybe made you feel unsettled. Just know this. This world is not going to be changed for the good by a government, by a dictator, by a ruler. It's not going to be changed by overthrowing a ruler or a dictator. It's not going to be changed by legislating laws. It's not going to be changed by a tax cut as much as we might enjoy that. It's going to be changed by one heart being changed at a time. And that's why Jesus came. He came to take 
the burden of sin away from us. He came to take the eternal consequences of that away from us. He came so that we no longer had to battle sin the way that we do, but we could give that up to the Lord. and We can say, God, you do this for me because I cannot do it on my own. That's the Christmas story that Matthew talks about here. A changed heart and how Jesus was going to come to save his people from their sins. You know, we usually don't attribute Paul's writings to much of a Christmas story. But Paul has a very interesting take in Galatians chapter 4. It's up here on the screen. In fact, I'm going to ask you to read this with me if you would. Would you read this with me? Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Let's read it together. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. You get what that's saying there? In the fullness of time, when God determined now is the right time. That's what Matthew was writing about. That's what Luke writes about as well. When the fullness of time came, Jesus was going to come into the world. And I love what he says there. So that we might receive adoption as sons. You know, something happens when you see yourself as a true son of God. Something happens when, in your identity. Something happens with a change in your heart when you are chosen by a family and when you're one of that family, just as God has called each and every one of you one of his sons, one of his daughters, when you receive him as Lord and Savior. There's a very interesting uh, heartwarming home video I want to show you here in just a second uh, of the effects that an adoption can have. Uh, Michael and Sarah Perks a few Christmases ago, um, gave their three foster children some really good news when they were opening up gifts underneath the Christmas tree. They had three biological children, and then they were also taking care of three children who were all siblings with one another. And the oldest one opens up a gift that are the official adoption papers for himself and his younger siblings, and so I want you to watch what happens when that special moment occurs for them. Take a look. For you, and you, and you. It's for all three of you. And papers. Do you want to stay seated back so I can... Did you hear what she said there? We just got him two days ago, just in time to put it underneath the tree. I mean, think about that. Think about what that means. Adopted, chosen, chosen to be part of a family and welcomed in. 
That's the angle Paul takes his Christmas story from. He says, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Christmas is like an adoption story. It's like your adoption story. Paul takes it from that angle. Matthew takes it from the birth of Jesus with Mary and Joseph. But then Luke takes it from a totally different side of the story. In fact, Luke talks about how he interviews people. And he put all these interviews together. And he gives this account of, of what God was doing in the midst. And so he writes a great story as well. Probably the one that we are most familiar with. So let me pick it up in Luke chapter 2 with verse 1. Where it says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, Caesar Augustus was the emperor. He was the ruler at the time. And so Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And it says, all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was in the house and the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So somewhere along the way, think about this. You think about the people who are in power today with, 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 with governments and in charge, be they dictators or be they elected. Somewhere along the way, here Caesar Augustus was more of a dictator of sorts, and God nudged someone in Rome and said, take a census. And the reason behind all of that is so God could move Mary and Joseph so that the Old Testament prophecy could come true as they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem because they were in Nazareth, but that's not where the Old Testament prophecy said that Jesus would be born. He said that he would be born in Bethlehem. And so somewhere along the way, that person was nudged to say, take the census, and here now Caesar Augustus makes that decree. And as they traveled, let me ask it this way. Shout out this answer. How do we usually see Mary depicted as traveling in movies and children's books and such? How, what, what is she riding? A donkey. And that would be found in what verse in Scripture? No verse, is it? There's no verse that talks about that. Now, she could have ridden a donkey, but she also could have ridden a covered wagon of sorts, kind of bump, 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 traveling along the roads. She could have also um, walked on foot with Joseph, which is probably what she did because Mary and Joseph did not have a lot of money. They were very poverty-stricken. We don't know for certain, but we just know that they traveled about 80 to 90 miles from their town in Nazareth that they were in to Bethlehem. And usually with the depictions as well, we see that they're riding alone on the donkey which probably isn't a very true story as well because they would have been with a lot of people traveling because there were a lot of people who had to travel back up to Bethlehem. In fact, I don't know this for sure, but I don't doubt that they may have been in just a little bit of a holiday snit as well. You know why? 
because they weren't sure why they were going from one place to the next. But God was orchestrating this behind the scenes. Any of you ever get into a holiday bad mood? Anybody want to be honest? Okay, don't be pointing at your spouse, okay? Let's not do that. But yeah, yeah. Any of you there? Man, I tell you what, I can get into those. You just mentioned the word shopping, and I am in a bad holiday mood. I am not a shopper whatsoever. In fact, my wife has learned after 21 years that if she wants to get a great present under the Christmas tree, she just goes out and buys it and gives it to me and I wrap it. That's, that's the way that it works. Except this year. I have got her the biggest box underneath the Christmas tree. She has no idea what it is. It is the greatest gift that I have ever given in my life. She will rise up and call me blessed. I know when when she opens this up. And I would love to tell you what that present is, but she is on the grounds, and so I cannot tell you. I am sorry about that. Come back in January, and I will tell you what I got her, all right? And then you will rise up and call me blessed. Wow. I had so much fun getting that for her because I didn't have to go shop. I did something else this year. And you're like, whoa, what is this, huh? Some of you husbands are like, let me have one of those, right? I'm going to give it as well. Well, holiday mo- bad moods, uh, they, they, they happen. They do come about. And I'm sure Mary and Joseph had to have been there because they're probably scratching their heads. They're saying, this is bizarre. Why are we having to travel from here to here? And Mary is great with child. They didn't maybe know that God was behind the scenes orchestrating this all the way through to get them to the very place that he had predicted that they would be. You know, if you were here last week when Amy Shreve was here, you would have heard her share her story. She's a harpist who gave us a great concert last week sharing about how she's had cancer in her life, and yet God chose to heal her. And she said, I don't always understand why God chooses to heal some and not choose to heal others. But she said, I know our God is good. And I know he is true. And he is faithful. And this upcoming year, I pray that you would know those things as well. That maybe you're in the midst of this travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. You're not seeing how these pieces of the puzzle all fit together, but they do. Because God is always working. God is always involved. God is always orchestrating things together. Now, we come to the part in the story where in Luke's account, um, we see this reading that will be very familiar to many of us. Um, In fact, it's Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14. And in the Charlie Brown Christmas, Linus does such a great job of reciting this. I thought I'd allow him to do the honors. So, take a look. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, 
goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. You know, in 1965, when that was first aired across America, that was revolutionary for those verses to be allowed to be read and shared on the airwaves. And yet, now that's made so much of our holiday traditions with so many people. The words go on that Luke records just after what Linus said. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds then said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, when they went with haste, they went with haste found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Now, those are the most familiar Christmas stories. Luke, Matthew. But if you were here at the beginning of our series, Light of the World, back in December, you know that John also has a very unique Christmas story. You know it's very short if you were here at that time. In fact, let me just read it to you very quickly. Here's what John writes for his Christmas story in John chapter 1, verse 14. He simply says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. The word, God himself, in all of his being, in all of his essence, emptied himself to become flesh, to become one of us. So short and yet so profound by the words of John. That word. God became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Now, there's a great analogy that kind of shows this of modern day um, happenings. Felix Baumgarten, some of you might remember or recognize that name. He's an Australian skydiver, a daredevil, and a base jumper. He's best known for jumping to earth from a helium balloon from the stratosphere back in 2012. In fact, it was on October 14, 2012. In doing so, he set uh, world records for skydiving, an estimated uh, 24 miles, where he reached an estimated top speed of 843 miles an hour as he jumped from space, literally, down to earth. In fact, he became the first person to break the sound barrier without any sort of vehicular uh, power relative to the surface of his descent. And here is him entering back into the atmosphere. And then this last picture shows when he safely lands back down on earth. And I remember hearing about that event that took place. And many of you might remember that as well about five years ago. And I thought, man, that is incredible that someone can do that type of a thing. But let me tell you, folks, that descent was nothing compared to what God did for us. Amen? 
I mean, realizing God in his glory and his majesty up above all the earth to say, I want to come down and to be one of them. And so John continues his Christmas story probably with the most famous verse that many of us know as to why Jesus became flesh. In John chapter 3, verse 16, he goes on to say, For God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. God's love affair with you. God's love affair with me. God's love affair with the world as he looked upon it. Caused him to give his son. As John said, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. He goes on to say, he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have eternal life. And that whoever is you, that whoever is you, that whoever is you, whoever, 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 whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then John kind of finishes off his Christmas story when he completely and, and, and completes it and he tells us why we celebrate Christmas. He goes one more verse and he says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be, what's the word there, might be saved through That's why Jesus came into the world. That's why God in the fullness of time emptied himself to be found in a manger. That's why God gave up his royalty, gave up his priestly inhabitants to say, here, now, I will become one of them as a baby. Born in a manger in Bethlehem. And that... In the words of Linus, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That, First Baptist Stockton, that's what Christmas is all about. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what Christmas means to us. I thank you that it is all about you becoming one of us, a child into this world being born of a virgin, being born as a baby in a manger, being born into a cold stable so that you could enter our hearts. Lord, if there was another way that it could have been done, you would have done it. And yet this is the way that it was chosen, that you would become one of us. Lord, forgive us if we've gone through the busyness of this Christmas season. And not made a big deal about that. Lord, forgive us if we've made more hype of the presents and the gifts, the songs and the school performances, the gift-giving, the family occasions. For Lord, it is truly all about what you did for us. And so I thank you for these hundreds of people who have gathered here today to say, let's remember, let's recall, let's rejoice in what Christmas is really all about. Lord, we may have passed dozens and dozens of nativity scenes, but today we come to visit 
the one with the true child. We thank you for your word, the way it was spoken to the gospel writers. Matthew, Luke, John, Paul wrote even about this coming. Lord, but most of all, we thank you now that your Holy Spirit's the one that gets to proclaim it. Your Holy Spirit is the one that gets to share it. And Lord, as your Spirit now lives in us, for those who are whoever's, for those who have said yes to you, Lord, may we never be quiet about it. Even as the shepherds came and went and rejoiced and told others just as it had been told. Folks at First Baptist, let me ask you a serious question. Do you know this Christ child? Do you know that he did not stay as a baby, but he born and lived as a man? As a teenager, coming into his young teens, and then older into his 20s, and at the age of 30, came to have a ministry and to share with the world around him, came to teach, come to heal, come then to die on a cross for you. But that cross didn't keep him in the grave. Death wasn't where it ended. It ended. It ended with life. And Lord, that story we know continues to be told even today. For as you went up into heaven, you said you were coming again for us one day. And as John professes and writes, whoever, whoever would believe, we know that we can be adopted. We can be a child of God. Folks, if you're here today and maybe that reality of Christmas has never sunk in before, And if today you would want to say this amazing mystery that has now been revealed of God becoming one of us, yes, I do believe I want to be one of those whoevers. You can say this simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart today, right now. And if you just say a simple prayer, God will see your heart in that. After the service, I'd invite you to talk to a person who invited you or to come talk to me afterwards or even out at our Next Step Center. We have some information to give to you. It is the most wonderful decision you could ever make in your life to realize that God came just for you. The amazing gift on the Christmas tree today, even as those three adopted siblings were able to receive, is that you can be adopted into God's family. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, came to die for you, to take your sins away, Scripture says you're one of His. God, we thank you for what that reality means. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for the joy that we can sing about and share about. Lord, we rejoice, we celebrate, and we thank you for what this day brings. We love you. Lord, even now as we sing one last song, angels we have heard on high, we rejoice. We sing with the shepherds as they saw those angels. We will hear them now, and we will take that into the streets of Stockton. Thank you for your goodness to us, your blessings upon us. We love you. It's in the name of Jesus that we now pray. Amen.